Amen. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Great to be in God's house with you. He is so incredibly faithful, so humbly blessed. And uh, it's, it's kind of bright over here, this light. Sorry, we just put that in. It's too much. So sorry you guys are over in the spotlight over there. I'm looking to see if my wife's in the house here somewhere. She's working in the cafe. Uh, I don't see her in here. So, okay, I'm safe to talk about her. No. <laughs> Totally kidding. Uh, <laughs> you know, God is so good to us. I usually ask you accountability questions right here. Uh, I didn't do it in the last service. I'm not doing it here. Youth, if you're ready to go, Miss Jennifer's in the back there. She'll take you to do your uh, service together. Um, but I am going to just jump over the accountability questions only this week. Did you do them all? Yeah. All right, good. We're going to move along then. You see, because this morning we're talking about faithfulness. And... Uh, you know, God is so good in how he does stuff and how he works and orchestrated his will in our lives. And as we were just singing the songs together about the faithful God we serve, he has brought us to this point in our lives because he is faithful. He's incredible. And I, I want to share some. I did not share this with the other uh, service at the beginning here. Um, I thank you for your prayers. I know y'all were praying with me. And this last Tuesday, I was able to defend my dissertation and all that's over. Yeah. Uh, I can't stop smiling. I wake up and I start smiling as soon as I wake up in the morning. I'm like, whoa, you know, there's like this weight off me that's been on me for five years, and I'm grateful that that's behind me and that the uh, degree of the doctoral thing is, is there and it's done and over with. So here's the thing. Uh, I am humbled because you see what maybe y'all don't know is way back when I first gave my life to Christ and he began to speak to my heart. And I was preaching when I was a 19-year-old boy two weeks after I was saved with no training whatsoever. And the Spirit of God just, uh, he's amazing. <laughs> he's amazing. I, uh, first off, I, Dave, had no business doing that. But the amazing God that we serve was like, I want to show you who I am. And I'm going to use you and just push you out there where you are totally uncomfortable because it's not about you. As I had said before, and you guys know this, I had become an introvert. I'm not an introvert, but I had, by my own life choices, become an introvert and uh, did my own thing rather than God's thing. And then when I finally said yes to him, he allowed me to step into the arena that he had for me. And he wanted me to be up front with lights on. And I'm like, this is like the worst place in the world for me as my person, Dave, would be uncomfortable, and I am. But there's this amazing God who loves us that pushes us there. Now, I was raised in a uh, legalistic holiness church. If you don't know what that is, you should praise God right now and just <laughs> applaud. <laughs> so, so anyway, we'll leave that aside here and just go to the point. Here's the point. I desperately wanted an education to do what God called me to do. And so as I was watching what God was doing in my life, Kim and I were married a year after we got saved. We both gave our lives to Christ together. And, uh, you know, as God was leading us, obviously felt like the, I needed to be educated to be a pastor. We applied to the Nazarene Bible College in Colorado Springs, Colorado. As a married couple, we were accepted and made these plans. I had back then we needed newspapers to find apartments and jobs. <laughs> Uh, even though I'm not that old, so just, you know. But anyway, uh, I was looking at that, 
and trying to locate what God would do for us and where we would be. And right there, God just said no. It was the craziest thing. It was one of those moments, you know how clarity that God gives to you? There was no negotiations or no debate about it. God said no. And it was like, man, I closed that paper and I was like, wow, that's like weird. You know, not that God's weird. It was just so clear and evident to me. God was saying no. Closed that paper. I went to talk to Kim. I'm like, I was, you know, we were all like, we had already told our family. We were going. God was like, no. And so it was like, okay, stayed there. And you know what God does? He's amazing, church. We're going to talk about his faithfulness today, but I want you to see this in my own life. He is so incredible that when he told me no and I obeyed him and I stayed, my father would resign from the church. God would ask me to lead that church, and I pastored that church for six years with no education starting off, none whatsoever. Didn't know what I was doing except needing God and relying on him. And so in the midst of that, guess what God did? He brought the Nazarene Bible College from Colorado Springs and brought it to me. And they opened up, seriously, satellite campuses in Detroit, Pontiac, and Flint, Michigan. And God opened door for me to be able to drive Tuesdays and Thursdays to classes in one of those cities to begin my education to become a pastor. Now, I was already pastoring when I was doing it. I didn't know what I was doing. I still don't. I don't. I know God is amazing, and he leads us. And I'm telling you that because as I look back, my desire was like to be the best I could be for him. Like I'm like, not about me, Lord. You know that. I want to be the best I can be. I want like, yeah. And so he opened the door. Incredible that God would let me do that. And I completed those classes uh, for ordination and all the stuff that's required there. And then I began my journey with a family as far as, I mean, it all happened at the same time, like all the stuff was unfolding. Pastoring for many years. And, uh, you know, just I'm telling you how faithful and amazing God is. You know, the, the Wesleyan Church didn't even have a seminary. They used other seminaries, Asbury and all these things. And then uh, they opened up their very first seminary, Wesley Seminary on the campus of Indiana Wesleyan University. As they opened that, they got full credentials after from four years. You have to go through that whole process of being certified, etc. Had to have their first graduating class, and then they could allow people like me to begin an online education with them with no bachelor's degree. Now, you may not know that you can get a master's degree and go on to a doctorate without a bachelor's, but you have to meet certain criteria that only God knows, right? I had 94 credits of undergraduate work. If you were, had 60 or more and you had been in your position for 20 years or more, which I had, you could submit an application, write some papers, and go before a review board, and they were allowed to take in 3% of their student population in that format to allow you to come in. You were on probation, which I was kind of used to that side of the things in the educational <laughs> world anyway. You, <laughs> you, 
educational word. I want to make sure you all heard that part. I said, not anywhere else. All right, so I was in this probationary period for one year. You had to maintain a 3.0 grade point average to complete that year, and then you were given full status as a student, where God allowed me to graduate with a Master of Divinity degree in three years, a four-year degree. God just blessed me and allowed me to do that, which opened the door to a doctorate, which here I am today, standing here, and I'm just like, I'm like, only God. Only God. Seriously, church, that's I don't want you to like think anything. I'm I am no different, and you're gonna know that as I speak. I still speak <laughs> undergraduate below <laughs> elementary school. It's still who I am. But I look at that and I'm like, God, it's so amazing to me that you care that much about us, that you love us, that you also want to give us the desires of our heart when the desires of our heart are for you, and that's what it's all about. Great is his faithfulness. He's amazing. I may be the oldest guy in the graduating class. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. God is good, man. He's amazing. I want you to know he is faithful. And I tell you all that because as we look at this today, as we listen to the songs that were sung, that I didn't like send any texts or notes saying, hey, we're talking about faithfulness. For one thing, I didn't have it until yesterday anyway. Uh, you know, and then finishing it this morning. So they were all practicing their songs on Thursday, and I'm not here. So we're doing this thing, and I'm looking at the faithfulness of God, and, and I want you to hear what it means, because in our culture today, we really don't know what faithfulness is. Uh, we know what brokenness is. We know what untrustworthy is. We're not real good with faithfulness. But the actual meaning of the word in our language is lasting loyalty and trustworthiness in relationships. The fact or quality of being true to one's word or commitments, being dedicated and steadfast in performing one's duty. You see, so as we listen to what that meaning is, we already know as we look around on our own lives, the people we know, the families we grew up in, we look and we don't see faithfulness as a high quality that's going on these days. And years passed, and it hasn't been that long ago, that the way contracts were done is people just talked together, said they would do it, shook hands, and it was done. Nobody changed their word, and they honored that, and they went through with it. Today, we can sign a contract and put blood on it, and we'll have lawyers that'll take it to court, and they'll throw it out and say, you don't have to do that anymore. I mean, it's crazy. See, faithfulness is true to your word, being what you're supposed to be all the time, where you're supposed to be all the time, doing it with integrity all the time. Faithfulness. When we look into the Old Testament, the word that is there is immuna, which is that Hebrew word for faithfulness. And no, because I have a doctor, it doesn't mean I know how to do that. I looked it up on Blue Letter Bible. You can look it up and know how to pronounce that, okay? It's the only reason I know. All right, so it says this. The meaning of that word is firmness, steadiness, fidelity, and trust. It is sometimes translated truth as well. So think about this as we're thinking about God, faithfulness, the word of God, faithfulness, true. It is fidelity, it's firmness, it's steady, it's all that stuff. When you go into the New Testament, in the Greek translate that word, it's pistos, which in other words are sure and true. It can be translated in both of those arenas as well. So when we're talking about faithfulness, we're talking about being sure and true in every way. The meaning is a person who shows themselves faithful in transaction of business, the execution of commands, or the discharge of official duties, one that can be relied upon. 
So now as we think about this and we look into Scripture, I got chills right now. I'm like, God, you're so amazing as I look. See, Old Testament and New Testament alike, when you look at that word in the, in the context of Scripture, it is used about God himself, and it's used about God's people. God's people. See, we know God's faithful. But then we look at the other side of it, and we're like, hmm, we kind of, a lot of times in the church, reflect our culture and faithfulness to God. It's because we live in a time that faithfulness is rare. Brokenness is the norm. Very few people remain committed to anyone. And I don't, I'm not being disrespectful, church. We're, we're just talking the reality of where we live. And so when we see a word and we're challenged to see something like faithful, we look and we say, well, God's faithful, and then it kind of ends there, but it doesn't. Because you see, as God looks upon the scene, he is calling his people to be faithful. So now, when we read the word of God, we're going to look at some things, and it's pretty funny today that, well, uh, it's, it's always humor. God laughs at me. He's, God has a sense of humor, and he laughs at me. And probably allowed me to get that degree because he was like, everybody's going to laugh at that one. There you go. This is funny. All right, so here's the thing. I, I was not looking for a song in scripture today, but this is the third week in a row that we're going to sing, I mean, we're going to read a song in scripture. And what's crazy about it is, is I think two of them have been from Moses. And Moses isn't known as a songwriter, but he is one. And one of the reasons why those songs are written is they don't rhyme. Moses wasn't a lyricist, you know that word, lyricist. Yeah, he wasn't one of those. I told you I'd prove myself before we were done, right? Okay, so it's like none of his, his words like really rhyme or go together. It's just what it is. And uh, it's kind of like my son Dale wanted to be a singer when he was a kid, and he would just make up words and songs as he was going along, you know? Um, it was kind of humorous to listen to him and just how he would do stuff. And I, I look at Moses' songs, although the, the meaning of his is a lot deeper than Dale's, but uh, they, uh, they are like kind of... Well, we're going to read it, so we'll see what it says. So Moses is coming to the end of the journey. If you know the book of Deuteronomy, the meaning of that is the second giving of the law. And so the generation has died in the wilderness. They're about to enter the promised land. Moses himself is not going to go into the promised land because he wasn't fully obedient to what God told him. Even as a leader, God forgave him, but there were consequences for his disobedience. Don't forget that. So here we are, we're at the end of this thing, and um, God has already appointed Joshua to be the next leader, and this amazing God who is faithful is so good, man, in what he does. So now we're about to step into this promised land. We're going to look just at the beginning of this song, because it's so beautiful, and I want us to hear what it says in Deuteronomy 32, 1 through 4. So the song itself has both blessing and um, punishment. It talks about the blessings of God to the faithful people and the consequences if his people are not. And so again, it's probably not one of the K-Love songs that they would do that is positive and encouraging. They'd only do the first few verses and they'd never sing the rest of it because the rest of it is kind of harsh. But it's God and it's all true. But we're going to read verses 1 through 4 here and listen to what it says. It's awesome. Listen how it opens up. Listen, O heavens, and I will speak. Hear, O earth, the words that I say. Let my teaching fall on you like rain. Let my speech settle like dew. 
Let my words fall like rain on tender grass, like gentle showers on young plants. I will proclaim the name of the Lord, how glorious is our God. He is, isn't he? See, now in the midst of all the, the congregation of Israel right now, as they were singing this song, that would have been their moment to praise God and celebrate right there, right? I will proclaim the name of the Lord, how glorious is our God. He is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright he is. Isn't that awesome? That's verse number one. So it's like establishing something right out of the gate, right? It's calling, verse number one in the song, it's verses one through four in the book. All right, so when you're looking at that, then God is calling to his people and saying, look, I want you to know who it is that you are not only singing to, but who you are serving. And as we look at that thing on, unfold before us, it's beautiful when you see those words. It's God is glorious. He is a rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is fair. Everything about him is upright. Our God is so truthful and faithful in every way. Church, he does no wrong. He is our God. He is all of that and then some. But as Moses is writing this song under the influence of the Spirit of God to the people of God, he's saying, establish this with them. This is who they're singing. This is their God. Church, that's our God. It's our God. So God had promised to Abraham, as you know, as you look in the history of the Bible, going back into Genesis, God made a covenant with Abraham and said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless all nations through you. And I'm going to make your descendants as populous as the sand on the seashore. Look into the heavens, see the stars. That's the way your descendants are going to be. And Abraham had one kid. One. God's faithful. This journey started when God told him, like, come on, leave your family. Let's go. We're going, on a, going somewhere, and you're going to follow my lead. And Abram did it. Didn't even know where he was going. He's going on this journey because God told him to, left everything behind. He's going on this journey, and God takes him to this little place in the mountain. And he said, Abram, I want you to look around you. So Abram's standing there, and he's looking. You see all that land? Abram, I'm going to give it to you and your descendants. I'm going to make you a great nation, and this will be their land. That's the nation of Israel. It still exists on our globe today because of God and his faithfulness. As we look at that, by the way, just to try and throw a little bit of political stuff in it, those other people have no business on God's turf. Israel has the right to that land. I don't care about political things. God said so, therefore it is. All right? Now we'll let that alone, step out of the politics, and go back into God's word. Guess what? It wasn't political. It was spiritual. It's God saying this. Now let's move forward and see what's going on. So here they are, like, at this, the singing of the song with Moses. He's like, man, this is our faithful God. They've heard all the stories. They are part of that stuff. When God promised, he said, I'm going to take you out of bondage and slavery and make you a great nation. God had done that. Moses had led them. These are the people. God had told their fathers and their grandfathers, these people that are hearing this song, hey, God is not going to let your generation go into the land. You've sinned. You didn't trust me. Therefore, you're going to die in the wilderness. They watched that happen. This generation that is seeing this song saw all the funeral services for that entire generation. Not one of them were left except Joshua and Caleb. 
the faithful ones of God. Now they're here. And it's about to happen, man. They are getting ready to step into the land God promised. And they were going to be the ones to realize the fullness of the promise of God. Now Joshua, is God amazing or what? He's so good. See, God gave them Moses, who was raised in Pharaoh's household, so he knew what it took to be a leader of a nation. He also used Moses, who was back on the backside of a wilderness, taking care of sheep in the desert for 40 years as well, because he had to be a political leader and a shepherd of a bunch of dumb sheep in the middle of a wilderness for 40 years. It's true. God trained him. He didn't know he was going through training, but he was being trained how to be a leader in both situations, and he did both. And now God's like, we need a different leader. We need a warrior. And Joshua was the warrior of God. And they needed a warrior leader who would go before them, following God's lead, and take this land. So God appoints Joshua to be that leader. He takes them in, and guess how they got there? They walked through a river on dry ground. Joshua takes the lead. He lives his life as a warrior leader, and they take over the land. We're going to jump down to Joshua 21. We are now at the end of Joshua's life. And let us read the word of God. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land he had sworn to give to their ancestors. And they took possession of it and settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had solemnly promised their ancestors. None of their enemies could stand against them, for the Lord helped them conquer all their enemies. Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. Come on, man. Give it up. Yeah. That is awesome. God is faithful, church. God is faithful to his word. He is a faithful God to his promises. He's our rock. He'll do what he says. Church, he will do what he says. You can trust him. As we look in Psalm 33, moving into the future of their history, our history, looking back, their future history as they were going forward as a people, we see another song that is being written for God's people, and it says this in Psalm 33. Let the godly sing for joy to the Lord. It is fitting for the pure to praise him. Praise the Lord with melodies on the lyre. Make music for him on the ten-string harp. Sing a new song of praise to him. Play skillfully on the harp and sing with joy. For the word of the Lord holds true, and we can trust everything he does. Yeah, that's awesome right there. Praise God. Isn't he amazing? So it's telling God's people, you should be singing, you should be playing instruments, you should be shouting, you should be celebrating God because everything, I mean everything he does, we can trust. Even the uncomfortable, even the unknown, even the things that don't make sense to us. See, he's God. We can trust him. Man, he is so amazing. We can trust everything he does. 
All right, so as we see this and as a people of God celebrating God and what he does, now we're going to go back to Deuteronomy once again because we want to see some things that God had said to his people because God is faithful, church. That's not always a good thing. It's good that he's faithful, but it's not always good for us when he's faithful because he's faithful to his word. And when we go back in there, see, God spoke through Moses the prophet not only in song, but in word, as he spoke to the people. And he told these people that were about to go into the promised land, look, you're about to become a nation of people, and God has some things he wants to share with you. It's Deuteronomy 28 is where we're going. I'm jumping down into verse 13 to start. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Just going to wait for that to sink in a little bit, right? Some of y'all are still like struggling with being the tail. You need to surrender and start being obedient to God. And then you can be the head. Nobody wants to be the tail. So God's word says to us, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. When you obey him, you're the head. When you don't, you're the tail. That's where all the whippings happen. That's where all the bad stuff comes out. I don't know if you're getting the picture here, but this is God's word talking to us, and it's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Come on, man. That's like the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you will always be on top and never at the bottom. You must not turn away from any of the commands I'm giving you today, nor follow after other gods and worship them. But if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and do not obey all the commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come and overwhelm you. Oh, man. If we could have just stayed with the first section of that song quotation, it'd be amazing. But see, God's word is true, and God is faithful, and God has something to say to his people. Church, in verses 3 through 15 of of, uh, Deuteronomy 28 are the promises of the blessings of God. Okay, so, you know, even number 15 is kind of in the midst of the transition that's about to happen. So if you do the math, I'm not going to, because I don't want to look stupid here, but I'm just saying like verse 3 through 15 are the blessings. Verses 16 through verse 68 are the curses. I think God's pretty serious about us being obedient. And he's letting us know, like, I can be for you or I can be against you. I'm faithful to my word. You choose who you want to serve. You can either serve God and receive the blessings Or you can serve yourself and receive the curses. Your choice. Well, it seems like a no-brainer, doesn't it? Crazy. Obey, blessed. Disobey, cursed. Either way, just want to know, church, God's good to his word. He is a faithful God, friends. You want to get serious about your prayer life for your life and for our nation? Go ahead and read Verses 16 through 68 later this afternoon. You'll get real serious about your life and our nation in a hurry. Because, see, God doesn't mess around with people that are called by his name, but not living like they're called by his name. He don't mess around with that. See, it's, it's like he's, he's gracious to the ignorant. 
but he holds accountable those who know better. And as we look at this, see, as we look at our own nation, we carry the name of God, but we are far from him. I'm talking about as a nation. And man, when you look at what he says to nations that are like this, it's scary. The curses that God will bring upon those who disobey him are scary. And the lack of faithfulness on our part is obvious as a nation. I want to make sure my life is right with him in every way, every way. See, the fact of the matter is that as we read in Joshua, which was the first generation removed from the wilderness, all was good. But if you go into the book of Judges, which is right after Joshua, and if you read that, what it says is once that generation died off, they forgot the things that God had done for them. And the history of Israel is that they've experienced the curses of God as a nation. Unreal, man. As you look at this and you see, you're like, wow. As I look at all this happening, they did turn their back on God. And he was faithful to his word. And it's historically recorded for us that God said, I will do this to you. And it happened. They were removed from their nation. They were destroyed. And they were made a laughingstock by all peoples of the earth. Because God said, this will happen if you turn your back on Why do you think the Jews are so persecuted around the world? They've turned their back. They've rejected the Messiah. God's good to his word, man. As we move forward in our walk with God and we go into the New Testament church, we have this incredible benefit that you and I experience by looking at history. The Bible is history. It's not just the Bible. It's not like just the church book. It's history. And as we look at the history, we can learn. And if we would look at history, we would learn. And as we look at who God is and the fact that he is a faithful God to his word, then we would all be a lot more serious about our prayer life, our Christian life, that we were living for God and what he says to us. Now let's go into this New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be free from all blame on the day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. God will do this, for he is a faithful to do what he says, and he has invited you into partnership with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Isn't that awesome? Oh, man, that's so good. See, God's faithful, and he's invited us into this incredible partnership with Jesus Christ, into the family of God we've been adopted. And the word of God just told us that he will keep you strong in the end. Oh, wait a minute. So God does his part, but he's faithful. We all want to have that part, don't we? He is so good. He's given us all the gifts we need, the blessings, this relationship within. I want you to see this, church. Our God is faithful, and he's invited us into this relationship with him, and he's provided everything we need to faithfully follow him until his return. Now you have every spiritual gift you need. Did you hear that part? You have no excuses. We have no excuses. Okay, so let's continue and look at what God's word says to us as believers. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. By his divine power, 
God has given us everything we need for living. How? Can we, can we say that again all together again? Let's, let's read that whole thing, right? By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Just giving the Holy Spirit time to bring the conviction. Look, as, look, listen to what he tells us. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Man, God says to us, man, I have provided everything you need. I am the power to provide the faithfulness that you need to be faithful to me. We have no excuse. God's done it. God is doing it. The Spirit is within us. He's invited us into this family. He's like, look, you guys can't do this on your own. I know. So here's how this is going to work. I'm giving this to you. I'm going to jump inside of you. And when I jump inside of you, you're going to have the gifts and abilities to live for me. Man, he's faithful. He's amazing. Now look at this. And I'm like, man, God, you are so good to us. A faithful God provides everything for us to become a faithful people. Well, let's read some more scripture then. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. So you see, like, as we look back at the Old Testament promises of God's faithfulness and blessing and God's promises of cursing if we're disobedient. Now we go into the New Testament. God's like, I'm the same God. I am providing everything you need to remain faithful to me all the way to the end. And I will do this in you. All you got to do is let me and be faithful and obedient to what I say. See, see, church, what I'm seeing is this is, this is God's work in us. It's all possible. If it wasn't possible, God would be a liar. And he's not a liar. And if we're not doing it, it's not because God doesn't have the power to do it in us. It means that we're not being faithful to him and we're not being obedient to what he's already told us. Because church, we can't not succeed in our walk with him if we're being faithful to what he says. I mean, it's biblical. I'm not trying to give you something like, Hey, take this one on. I'm going to slap you down. No, God's like, hey, take this on. I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to give you something you can't do for yourself. I'm going to work in you, and you're going to be able to live faithful to me. Like, if we're not living faithful to God, then we're the problem. And we need to confess our disobedience and step into the truth of what God has already revealed to us. God is a faithful God. He does the work, and he makes it possible in our lives. Revelation. We're going to jump there because, see, we've been looking at past history, looking at all the promises of God, watching that God is faithful to his word, what he's done for his people, how he's done both, blessed and cursed, because he's good to his word. Now we jump into our future history, and we see what 
John the Apostle wrote as he got this incredible revelation from Jesus. It's about Jesus, and it's about God's people celebrating that we are his people, and we are not part of those that are going to be slammed by God, that we're going to be those that are blessed by God. Now, I love this because, man, when you read the scripture here, it's like it gives you goosebumps. It's like, or whatever you want to call it, chicken skin, turkey skin, whatever your (laughs) thing does. It's like it's all there, man, when we read this. Listen to what I can see this. I have an incredible imagination. And as I'm looking at what John is writing, I can, I'm like, oh, God, this is awesome. Listen to what it says. Then I saw heaven open, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe that is dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. Yeah, who is that, church? That's our Jesus, man. Woo, free Bethlehem. Before he came in the flesh, the word of God. All things were made by him. Without him, nothing was made that is made. He is the creator of all things. This is our savior, the word of God. And here he is being profiled to us in the book of Revelation and future. Here is the word of God, the savior of the world. Picture him now, this righteous warrior judge. As he's sitting on that white horse, the blood dripping off that robe that he's got on, that sash that's there. And he wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe and at his thigh was written this title, King of Kings and Lord of all Lords. Yeah, that is awesome stuff right there, man. Woo, that blesses my heart. I'm like, man, oh man. That is our God, church. That's our Savior, Jesus. And he's sitting there like on that robe and he's like, look, I'm coming. I'm going to do some damage when I get there. Where you want to be? You want to be on that white horse behind them? Or you want to be down here waiting and watching them come with all that fury to judge this world with his righteousness? Oh my goodness, man, I want to be on one of those white horses riding in the background. Like, woo, Jesus, yeah, Lord. Yeah, if you don't know how to ride a horse, you should get some lessons while you can, okay? All right. So that's what. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing, man. I look at that. It blesses my heart. I'm looking at what God's doing. Hey, by the way, somebody in security, go get our kids for the baptism. We're coming to the action steps here, okay? And the youth, too. Bring them up. Bring them up there. So as we're looking at this whole thing and we're seeing this faithful God, church, what we need to see is we've just been reading scripture in the New Testament saying that God is calling us into this faithfulness. He's given everything we need and he wants to keep us all the way until that day occurs. Until that day when Jesus is riding in. I get so excited about these scriptures because I know that John saw me. I mean, like you're in the Bible too if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. 
There around the throne of God in the lakes of the faces of the nations that are all around him, there I was. This is true future history that he saw. It wasn't like some mirage. It was God showing him, like, this is what's going to go down. Let me give you a glimpse of it. And so I know that John saw me back there on one of them horses, and I was back there, you're like, woo, get him, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm like super jazzed about that. I hope you are too. That's why I mean like the book of Revelation is exciting. It's not scary. It's like Jesus is the king, man. He's going to do it. I'm on his side, so I'm good with it. Whatever, however this goes down, God's faithful. I trust him. We can trust him through it all, no matter what, church. That's what he's telling us. We serve a faithful God. And therefore, as we come into this first action step, I'm going to ask you something. Have you placed your faith in our faithful God by receiving the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Have you done that for yourself personally? If you haven't, today's the day. He is your Savior, and you need to acknowledge that, confess yourself, and receive him into your life. And that's where the journey begins. In what area of your life, church, are you struggling with faithfulness? Where are you struggling in your faithfulness? Because God's not struggling with faithfulness. He's faithful. Are you? And if you're struggling in one area, what is that area and why are you struggling there? Because God already said, I've given you everything you need. Therefore, would you let God be God in that area of your life? Let it go, man. Do you trust him? Are you living obedient to what you know God is saying? See, that's the part right here. I want us to just like, this is our last action step and I want us to focus on this right here. It's so important for us to get this. Living obedient to what you know God is saying to you. So a lot of times people get confused on a lot of stuff and they're like, I don't know about this. I don't know about you. You don't need to know about it. Would you just chill out? God will let you know about it when he's ready for you to know about it. What you need to concentrate is on the things that you already know. And are you doing that? Are you being obedient to what you already know God has spoken to you? If you're not, there's where you begin. Right there. So the altar's open. Salvation, confession, repentance for disobedience, agreement with the Spirit of God to what you know He's saying to you. He's right here, and He's inviting you to step into that fullness that He has for you right now. We don't have to obey Him. We just step in. He's like, I'm here. I'm available. He's amazing. Father, we love you. We're so grateful, God for the word of God, where we see past history, present history, and future history, because you're God, and you gave it to us, and you are good to your word. Lord, you're faithful. Call us to be a faithful people. I pray that everyone is listening online, wherever they are, in the house, that God, we are being honest with ourselves and truthful with you and confessing our disobedience and stepping fully into obedience because you're a faithful, faithful God. (laughs) Yeah, Lord, thank you. (laughs) Thank you, God. Thank you. church, does God have a horse in a stall waiting for you? (laughs) So amazing, isn't he? So good to us. 
Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your word. It's so amazing. Thank you for the transformation that you have made available to us through your presence, your power, your Holy Spirit presence within our lives through this incredible relationship with Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you are King of kings and Lord of all lords, that you are the conquering, conquering King. We love you. We're here for you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we're praying.